<laughs> I'm supposed to not forget that. So, Anyway, let's come to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll get started with our Bible study. Father, we want to thank you and praise you, Lord, that you're the mighty God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the God of gods. And, Lord, that this word that you've given us, this book, you've told us in your word who you are, what you like, what you don't like, and what we need to do to please you. And, Lord, I want to ask you to bless the word tonight as we talk about these wonderful things because we do want to please you. Now, Lord, thank you for doing the wonderful things you do for us and how you bless us when we do please you. And, Lord, we thank you. Now, bless everything we do here tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> amen. Praise the Lord. Nice and cool uh, in here. <laughs> You know, we got in the car a while ago, and Cheryl said, do you know it's 100, what was it, 109, 110 or something uh, on the little temperature dial in the car? I said, well, I, know, I knew it was warm. I was out there in the sun driving a tractor most of the day today. And finally, when the tractor, uh, you know, of course, I'm working, and I got up early, 6 o'clock this morning. It was really nice, you know, at 6, uh, uh, but by 11 o'clock, uh, 11.30, the tractor was running way up in the edge of the red in temperature, but yet it was full of water and everything. It was just that hot out there, so I had to bring it to the house, and uh, of course, I was working in a really dirty environment, using a backhoe and a front-end loader and everything, so I had to bring it and wash it all off and wash out the radiator and everything else. But anyway, it was nice and warm today, praise the Lord, but it's, it's, it's wonderful that the Lord has provided by faith what we can do by faith. You know, it, I'm going to step over to the side a little bit because that wind, that air blowing right on that mic causes it to uh, make a lot of noise, I've noticed when I listen to it on the tape. So I'll either be standing on this side or on the other side trying to stay out of the direct wind. Now then, some of the things the Lord tells us to do uh, that, that pleases Him. And as we all know, if you please, even if you, I don't care if it's your spouse uh, the person you work for, or whatever, we try to please those people. Because when we please those people, we know those people are going to be nicer to us. You know, so it might not be that with everyone you come in contact with, but as a rule, you know, if you've got a boss, if you are a worker like I was, and you please the man or the woman that you work for, uh, at the end of the year, they're more likely to give you an increase in salary than if you don't please them. You know, if you don't do anything to please them at all, well, then chances are, you know, that a lot of times, uh, you know, those people don't get as much of an increase. And so anyway, God is the same way, or at least his word says he is. So we're going to talk about some of these things tonight, and I want you to see some of the things uh, that the Lord tells us to do, and I know we fall short, or at least I do, in virtually every one of these areas. So to this, today as I'm looking at these things and everything and thinking about these things, I thought, Lord, I know when I go to your word, when I see these wonderful things that you've told me to do, I realize that I fall short in so many areas. But even today... While I was out there on the tractor, whether it was hot or not, I wasn't complaining about the heat. I'm thanking God that I have this beautiful old backhoe and front-end loader that I can use to do what I'm doing. 
You know, I said, Lord, a few years ago I had to use a grubbing hole, you know, to do this. And, of course, you know, the area I'm cleaning off uh, out there is only about 150 feet wide and 2,500 feet long. So I'd hate to have to do that with a grubbing hole. But it's taking me several days to do it with a, with a tractor. But uh, I want us to see some of the things the Lord told us to do. Let's th- go to Exodus 34:14 to start out with. And we're going, to, we're going to go to many, many scriptures tonight, as we do a lot of times. But I want you to see what the Lord demands that we do. Now, when you get to Exodus 34:14, now, this is a King James that I'm reading out of right now. I've got, I, I put these together in three different translations when I made these notes. In the King James, Exodus 34:14 says, For you shall worship. That doesn't, uh, Deborah, that doesn't sound like if you want to or not. He, I mean, he, it's a command from the king that you worship him, isn't it? He says this, for you shall worship no other god, not have any other gods. You're, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous god. In other words, surely, David, Donna wouldn't mind if you were to look at another woman once in a while, you know, would she? She's understanding. <laughs> I mean, so she's a jealous woman, isn't she? Amen. And you're a jealous man, you know, when it comes to your mate. Well, see, God's telling us he's jealous, and he don't like for us to mess around with another God. Well, but who'd ever dream that your car could be your other God? Well, or your house, or your children, or your work, or whatever, but it is. That's why today, when I'm out there driving that tractor, doing everything, I'm not thinking very much really about work. I'm praising the Lord that I got the equipment and I have the ability to do this work. And some people would grumble and complain, Oh my gosh, you got to work out here today and it's a hundred degrees. Praise God that I'm young, you know, that I have the equipment, that I can do this, you know. Praise you, Lord. Well, I worship you. I thank you. But that's what he told us to do, isn't it? Well, in the New King James, it says, For you shall worship no other gods, for the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. And then the Living Translation says, For you must worship. No other gods. I mean, it's pretty clear, isn't it, Rosemary? Very clear. I mean, the king is telling us that he's jealous. And he don't want to share us with nobody. And so, I mean, when it comes down to a spouse, you know, if you give your utmost attention to your spouse, don't look at another person at all under no conditions. Because if you do, you know, your spouse, whether you're the man or the woman, is going to be very upset. I mean... I mean, you, you, each one of us can just think, if you're married, if you have a spouse, I mean, you, you love your spouse. And if your spouse, say, like me, for instance, when Cheryl and I first, uh, e- even before we got married, after we knew we were going to get married, the Lord had told us, you know, to get married. And uh, we hadn't been dating or anything, or nothing, but the Lord told us to get married, so then... I mean, maybe it was the first week even before we even had a date. We hadn't even been out together. But she was here, I think it was on Tuesday the Lord told us to get married. And then 
we hadn't had a date on Sunday. We hadn't been out together at all. But Sunday, when she came in, I was praying for a lady who had my hand on her shoulder. And never before had she been jealous. But this day, she's jealous. And she told me about it later. She said, it's amazing, you know, that I had not been jealous about you. But, of course, she had never been with me, never been on a date with me. But all of a sudden, God told her in a dream to marry me, and then he told me that I was going to marry her. So when I asked her Tuesday night, and she said, yes, kind of a unique thing, I realized that. And after that, immediately from that point on, although we hadn't been on a date or nothing, we both, for some strange reason, were madly in love with each other. Isn't that amazing how that can work? You know, so now then, I'm jealous of her, and she's jealous of me. You know, I don't want her going with no other guy or, or none of those kind of things, you know, before. And, you know, if somebody had come and put his arm around her, it wouldn't have bothered me at all. You know, but now all of a sudden it does. You know, so it's amazing how those things work. But God says he's jealous. And he don't want to share you with nobody. He wants you to love him. And he didn't tell you if you want to. If you're my child, he said you will not. Worship any other gods. He's pretty clear. And that's, can you imagine him being so narrow minded? <laughs> but he is, isn't he? So I think we need to make sure that we worship him and put him first in everything we do. That is, if you want him to answer your prayer. You know, so if you want him to answer your prayer, and all of us do. Then let's go, instead of taking it just to an absolute individual, let's go into a broader state, and let's go to Psalms 86.9. Now, Psalms 86.9, let's see what he said before he's telling us as an individual. He's speaking directly to you and me. If we're his children, we're not to put anything before him. He's to be number one in our life. And it was very clear there what he said. But in Psalms 86, 9, he goes a little bit further. In Psalms 86, 9, he says, in all nations, all nations, that pretty well takes them all. All nations whom thou hast made shall come and worship before thee. Do you think he wants worship? I mean, it's absolutely written clearly all over this book. God wants us to worship him. And how do you do that? Well, a lot of people say, well, I can only worship him when I come to church on Sunday. When we're standing and singing, we can raise our hands and worship him. That's not true, is it? No, you can worship him when you're working, when you're driving down the road in your car, can't you, Rosemary? You can be communicating with the king. You can be driving down the road thanking him. Lord, thank you that I have this car to ride in. Thank you, Lord, that, you know, huh? Amen. Yes, Lord. Thank you that my air conditioning is working. I praise you for giving somebody the knowledge to make this thing. Absolutely. I mean, just think. Out of the 6,000 years of history we've had, only in the last 50 or 60 years have we had air conditioning. Do you all know that I am young enough to go back to the day when I remember that they put the air conditioner in the first automobile. And I thought, air conditioning in a car? Who in the world would want one of these stupid things? (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. You're, and that's the way I used to do it. And I mean, good grief, you know, roll the windows down. Who needs air conditioning, you know? But boy, are my spoiled rotten now. <laughs> I love air conditioning, just like they said. But he says in verse 10, that was in verse 9, All nations whom thou hast made shall come and worship before me, O Lord, and shall give glory, or shall glorify his name. Then he says, For you are great, and you do wondrous things. Thou art God alone. He is the only God, the King of kings and Lord of lords. And I'm telling you, that's why we have so many problems I am telling you that in the church itself, many people have problems and are sick and afflicted because they don't do what those first verses said. They do not worship the Lord. I mean, some people will only go to church once or twice a month. Or some people that call themselves Christians only go on Christmas and Easter. You know, that's not worshiping God. But they never put the two together that they're sick and afflicted and even die early because they don't do what God says. Most people, most people that are sick or afflicted today or that living in some kind of torment, you know, or whatever, that everything goes wrong, uh, your car breaks down prematurely or you've had 13 bones broken in your body when the Lord says you shouldn't have any broken. But that have all the kinds of sickness and disease and your children and everything else, they never put the two together that this jealous God, we're not doing what he said. And that's why these things are happening to us. It's a very scary place. But, of course, I've had the Lord speak to me before and confirm in certain scriptures that that's what happened to certain people. And I thought, wow, Lord, there it was. It's written right there, but I just couldn't go there. I just couldn't believe he meant what he said in this book. But now I know he does. And so if he tells us to worship him, I think we ought to worship him. You know, so I don't think he wants us to worship him just on Sunday morning. I know he wants us to worship him all the time. You know, that we want to, he wants us to praise him and thank him and worship him in everything we're doing. Now then, then the... The Living Bible. Let's, let me read this. I've got a, a, a couple. I got one couple of extra scriptures in the Living Bible. In the Living Bible, it says, "All the nations, and you made each one, will come and bow before you." You know, very few people bow down before God, but He says they will bow down before you, Lord, and praise your great and holy name. Bow down before Him. Hey. I mean, that's, that's a wonderful thing to do. Why are we supposed to do that? Because the king said do it. I don't have a problem bowing in his presence. You know, I don't care if I'm in church or at home. I, I mean, I have no problem bowing down in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and thanking him for what he'd done for me and praising his name. I, it, it's, it's real easy. He says, for you are great and you do great miracles. You alone are God. Now, if he does great miracles, why don't we see more of them? We don't ask him. We don't ask in faith, do we, Rosemary? There's so many things. And, of course, the thing about it is, 
if you never bow down and worship him, you never worship him and never praise him, he'll never touch your heart with that thought that it's even possible for you to get a miracle. You know, it's amazing how many years that I served God in a Baptist church and never had the faith to even pray the prayer of faith, to even think about seeing God do anything. He never touched my heart. Why? Because I was the problem. I was not worshiping Him. I was not praising Him. Oh, yeah, I come to church every time the doors open. I mean, you know, but I very rarely ever talked about the Lord at work. And when I got up on Monday morning, I virtually didn't think about God until, oh, it's Wednesday night. We've got to go back to church again. That's when I thought about Him. But dear, Monday, man, I'm about business. Tuesday, I'm about business. Wednesday, I'm about business. And if I wasn't careful, I could easily slip through Wednesday evening and say, I forgot to go to church tonight. You know, that's where I used to live. And why did I never see God do a miracle? I wasn't doing what he said. And so he's jealous. I mean, after all, you think he's going to call me in and give me some kind of magnificent, wonderful miracle, and I've not been serving him at all? No. He's not going to say, hey, Thurman, I want to do a miracle for you, you know, just because I love you. I mean, I realize you're putting everything in your world before me, and you got me on the back burner, and I'm the last. You're, you've trusted your soul to me, but you don't ever read my word. Maybe on Sunday. Maybe Saturday night, just before you get ready to teach your Bible study on Sunday morning. And that's kind of where I used to live. But I didn't see God do no miracles back in those days either. So he didn't touch my heart. But when I started reading and studying and doing everything I learned from the Word and began to... I spent about ten dedicated years of serving the Lord, reading His Word every day, uh, sometimes two or three or four hours at a time. I mean, I started worshiping him on the, on the way to work. I started seeing these things, and I just started doing what the Word says. After about ten years of that, all of a sudden one day, he spoke to me. But see, he did say, if you will draw near to me, then I will draw near to you. Kind of like your spouse, you know, Cheryl's going down the hallway, going 90 miles an hour, like she was the other day. She's got things due out the ministry center, and she's going. She comes in my office the other day, and, of course, I'm working on some stuff. And she comes in, asks me a couple of questions, and turns to go out. And I said, hey, wait a minute. She said, what, what? I said, come around here, woman. So she said, what do you want? I said, you know what I want. Come around here. So she came down, sat down in my lap. And when I drew close to her, then, hey, she bent over and gave me a kiss. Isn't that amazing? I had to draw near to her. She wasn't even interested in me. You know, she was too busy with the things. Now, see, if we don't draw near to God, you don't get anything from God. But when I drew near to my mate, then all of a sudden her, her thoughts are off of the world. And she sits down there and we have a couple of intimate minutes, you know, just kissing and kind of talking. And then all of a sudden I said, okay, now then I've had what I needed, and I said, I'm fired up now. You can go back to work. And so she jumped up out of my lap and back to work. But what if you don't draw near? You know, and a lot of us don't do that with our mates, you know, and we don't draw near. But we don't do it with God either. And if you're a single person, you can, you'll have more time to do that with God. Is that right? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, see, when I, when I didn't have a mate, I, it was a whole lot easier for me to spend much more time. And Cheryl told me after we got married, she said, honey, I don't have any Cheryl time anymore with God. You know, she said, you take up all my time. She used to come home at night, and she would do whatever, do her washing or whatever, and while the clothes are washing and all that stuff, she'd go and snuggle up on the bed and, or on the couch or something and read her Bible for two or three hours. Well, that went away after she got married to me. Because, you know, we're going somewhere, doing something, working or whatever. And so she don't have that time. So she don't spend near as much time with God now because she's got another person. So if you're single, I know. I was single for a while and she was too. And so you have that time. Ain't nobody bothering you at home. Nobody talking to you. You know, so you got time to snuggle up with God. And that's when I, I mean... I saw some of the greatest miracles I ever saw in my life when I was single and I had time to snuggle up with God every day. So, but see, he's telling us here we're supposed to worship him. We're supposed to praise him. We're supposed to bow down and before him. In fact, I remember one night a lady called and was asking me a question. And so, and after she talked a little while, she said, what are you doing right now? I said, I was laying here on the floor worshiping God. Oh, she said, I didn't mean to break in on your worship. I said, well, the phone rang, so I answered it. But it, it was like 11 o'clock at night when she called. I, I said, I was down here on my knees, and I was just praising and worshiping the Lord. I'm, you know, there all by myself, in the room by myself. And she said, well, just go ahead. And so I, she quit talking. I, I left the phone there, and I just went ahead and worshiped and praised the Lord and talked to him and thanked him and done all kinds of things. And I forgot she was on the phone. You know, and so I just kept worshiping and praising the Lord, and all of a sudden I realized the phone's laying there. I thought, oh my gosh, I wonder if that woman's still on the phone. And so I reached over and got in, and I said, are you still there? Oh yeah, she said, I ain't leaving. I said, ma'am, I'm sorry, I forgot about you. She said, I have never experienced anything like this in my life. And she said, it's awesome. I got caught up in this worship and praise with you. And I thought, well, I looked at my watch and I said, oh, my goodness. I said, you called at 11. Do you know it's 1.30 in the morning? And she said, I hadn't looked at my watch. But see, I didn't even know she was there. But see, when you worship him, you think God loves it when you worship and praise him like that? Of course he does. He loves it because... He tells us he does. And so that's when you get to see the Lord do wonderful things. So he tells us to do that. Then it says in, in this uh, translation, it says of the uh, Living Bible, it says in verse 13, With all of my heart, I will praise you. With all of our heart, we're to praise him. Now see, he tells us to do this stuff, but very few people do this. But now this is a living Bible translation, the, the, verse 12 of uh, Psalms 86. Psalms 86, verse 12. With all of my heart, I will praise you. I will give glory to your name forever. Do you love me so much? You are constantly so kind. You have rescued me from deepest hell. Now, when you realize what the Lord Jesus has done for us, it's easy to worship him. It's easy to praise him. Because just think, we are the most fortunate 
race of people that's ever lived on the earth on this side of the cross. We have a blessing on this side of the cross that nobody else had, right? Yes, we sure do. We fail to realize on this side of the cross, we're no longer servants of God. We're not even friends like he called them when he came in the New Testament. But starting with the book of Acts, we became children. And there's a difference between servants and friends and children. Is that true? You'll do things for your children you won't do for no friend you got. And you'll do things for your children you certainly won't do for servants. If you were fortunate enough to have servants working in your home for you or whatever they were doing, if you had servants, and you might do some nice things for them, but you will do a whole lot nicer things for your children. You know that. You've got a son. You do things for those children of yours you wouldn't do for nobody else. Right, Rosemary? Well, sometimes I do for John. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, it's nice to be good to people and love people, right? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Okay, Psalms 95. Let's go to another one. Psalms 95.5. This is the King James. Psalms, we were right there in Psalms 86, so it's not very far. Psalms 95.5. It says, O come, let us worship and bow down. Oh, is that six? Oh, okay. I, I don't know. I guess I just uh, made a typo when I put that in there. Okay, Psalms 95.6. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. Let us kneel before Him. So if He tells us to do these things, if you're in your own home or anywhere you are, when you go to worship Him, is it you think it would make Him feel good if you bowed down in His presence? If you were home, got off your side of your bed, or got, I mean, maybe you're cooking dinner. Or maybe you're doing something else. Maybe you're just dressing. If you just bow down on the carpet and raise your hands and say, Lord, I just want to tell you how much I love you. You think it would make the king feel good? I think it would. And you might be amazed at what he might do for you. You know, I mean, you really might be amazed, you know, when you start bowing down and worshiping him and praising him. Then you ask him for something in prayer. He said, I was waiting for you to ask. I want to bless you super because you've been bowing down and worshiping me. That's amazing, isn't it? Now, when people tell me, well, I've been praying and nothing happens. I mean, I have, of course, Dave Rosenfeld, he's really got a hold of this. When people call and he happens to get them on the phone. And they say, I'm having trouble getting my needs met. Or I'm having trouble getting healed. What do you think? He says, how's your quiet time with God? How's your quiet time? When's the last time you bowed down and worshipped Him? When's the last time you took your Bible and went for a walk and said, Lord, just you and me are going for a walk today. And I'm going to walk down the road or the sidewalk or whatever. And I'm just going to tell you how much I love you and praise you and worship you. And then you're walking down the road and all of a sudden you just stop and just put your hands up and say, Lord, I want to tell you. How great you are and how much I thank you for saving my soul, for doing these wonderful things for me. Lord, I just want to tell you how wonderful you are. And maybe you don't need a thing. But maybe a day or two or three later, something happens and you say, Oh, Lord, this has happened or one of my children's got sick and I need to lay hands on them and for you to heal them. 
And he says, I've been waiting to do something nice for you. And so, bam, it happens just like that. But if you don't ever worship him, you don't ever praise him, you don't tell him how much you love him, you don't study his word, and then one of your kids gets sick. Uh-oh. Some people say, God wouldn't do me like that. Well, I will have to say he says different in the word. And so if you want him to see him do wonderful things for you, you need to do what he says in here. You know, so anyway, then since Psalm, after Psalms 95, let's go to Psalms 99 and also Psalm, both 99 and 100. We'll take a verse out of 99 and then we'll take a few verses out of 100. Psalms 99 verse 9 says, Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy hill. I mean, it's amazing how many times this word worship is used. For the Lord our God is holy. He is so holy. We are to exalt the Lord our God and worship. Worship him. Then Psalms 100 says, A psalm of praise. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. So, you know, whether you think you can sing or not, make a joyful noise. You know, and who knows? Since God made that voice, nobody else may like the tone of your voice, although you may be a beautiful singer and everybody may like your voice. But if nobody likes your voice, I can guarantee you God likes it because He made it. And when you sing praises to Him, He loves it. That's why I used to get out. That's what I love about living on the farm. You know, I've never, and I may have, I may have, I've, I've had several people tell me that some songs I sing, they, they sound pretty, pretty good. You know, but I know I, I've never trained my voice to be a professional singer. But when I get out there on the farm, and I'm riding that tractor out there or whatever, or I'm just walking across the countryside... I can just, some of my favorite hymns, I can just sing them to the top of my lungs because there ain't nobody out there to hear except me and God. So I ain't offending nobody, you know. I mean, they couldn't hear me if they wanted to because I don't have no neighbors within shouting distance. So I can just about scream out there and praise the Lord. And it don't bother nobody around. And I know God likes it because he tells me to worship him and praise him. And that's what I do. But I love to see God answer my prayer. You know, and I, I love it when I pray for people. And like, for sure, I loved it. That little, uh, some of you all heard me give the testimony Sunday about the little nine-year-old boy. Some of you weren't here. But last week when we were in Chanute, uh on Wednesday night, there was a little nine-year-old boy come up. His dad brought him up and uh, his dad didn't, he just stood back. He didn't say a thing. And uh, I, the little boy come back and I knelt down in front of him because the little guy, nine years old, about that tall. I knelt down on my knees in front of him and I said, son, what's your problem? He had a, his head all down, his countenance was down and he said, well, I hate to tell you. I said, son, don't hate to tell me. I know everything, you know, that can be wrong with your body. I know I'm a grown man. I've served God. I know. I said, nothing makes me feel bad and I'm not going to make you feel bad. I said, what's wrong? He said, sir. He said, I cannot go through a night without wetting the bed. You know, he said, I just wet the bed. I cannot stop it. I said, oh, son, it's just a demon. I said, Jesus wants to heal you, but he needs a man of faith to kick that beast out of you. 
So I said, I'm going to kick him out of you, and I'm going to guarantee you, in the name of Jesus, you ain't never going to wet the bed again. I kicked the demon out, commanded that thing to leave, and asked the Lord to send the Holy Ghost to stabilize his little body. And the next night at church, he came in with his Bible under his arm. He had his hair combed back, and he walked up, and his daddy was with him, his mama was with him, his little sister, and his brother was with him, and he brought them all up for prayer. He said, I, I said, how you doing, son? He said, I am a brand new man. <laughs> Cheryl told me, that, she said, honey, if we hadn't seen God do another miracle, the whole trip was worth it for that one little boy. I mean, and then when his little sister, she said, well, I need a miracle too. And she held her hand. And I said, how old are you, honey? She said, I'm 15. And her right hand was a miniature hand. The fingers were real short, and the hand was totally deformed. I said, oh, the king we serve, he can fix that too. All you got to do is believe. I've seen him do some miracles with hands. We prayed over that little girl's hand, and almost immediately, within 10 or 15 minutes, the hand had expanded out significantly. You could already see it growing. I mean, don't you love to see God do those kind of things for people? Well, see, he's telling us what we need to do. If we want Him to do these kind of things for us. And maybe that's why we never see Him do anything. It's because we don't put Him first. Maybe we don't worship Him. Maybe we don't bow down. Be like the lady the other day and was in a store. And she walked up to me and she said, Oh, Thurman. She said, While I've got you in here, said, I want you to pray for... And she told me, her brother. And she gave me his name. I said, What's wrong with him? And she told me what was wrong with him. I said, okay. And I just put my hand on her and throw the other one up in the air and started praying out loud. And she turned every color in the book. And when she got through, she said, when I got through, she said, I didn't realize you was going to do it right here in the store in front of everybody. I said, well, hey, I didn't know there was anybody else in here besides you and me and God. But see, it really intimidated her because, man, she was red. When I open my eyes, she's glowing red. It embarrassed her. Hey, nothing you do for Jesus should embarrass you, right? Hey, I mean, I expect God to do something great in that man's life, too. And I I believe with all my heart, He will. But if you're doing what God told you to do here in His Word, He will do these great and awesome things for you. Then He says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness, come before His presence with singing. See, He tells us everything He likes, and most of the time, we really don't do it. You know, so during the course of the day, when you wake up in the morning, praise Him. When you walk outside, you know, if you're like me, wait till you get outside where that all your people that are around you, they don't have to put plugs in their ears, see, you know, so, but when you get outside, God loves your voice. So sing, and if you happen to be endowed with a beautiful voice, well, then use it for His glory. You know, use it for His glory everywhere. You know, sing beautiful songs because the Lord tells us to do it. Come into His presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, He is God. It is He that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are the people and the sheep of his pasture.
He's made every one of us. Then he says in verse 4 of Psalms 100, Psalm 100 verse 4, he says, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. You know, I can, I can still see it when I used to work at Sky Chef. You know, when they bought the operation uh, from Caterer. Of course, Caterer bought it from Marriott, and I worked for those people nearly 30 years as those, on those buyouts. But by the time that Caterer sold out to Marriott, by this time, I'm a ball of fire for Jesus. I mean, I've got it. So when I walk into Sky Chef in the mornings with all those people everywhere, I know who I am in Christ. I have no problem saying, praise the Lord, good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? I mean, to anybody, walk in the cafeteria and say, praise God. How's everybody doing in here this morning? Good morning, folks. You know, and but give God the glory. I mean, and then you start your meetings. Of course, I happen to be a manager over a certain section, so I would start my work group meeting with a prayer. I said, now I'm going to pray. If you don't want to, if you don't, if you're not a Christian and you don't want to be involved in a prayer, then you don't have to be a part of this. You can go over, I'm going to pray, we're only going to pray for a couple of minutes, and then when I get through, I'll holler at you. If you don't want to, you can come back. I only had one man that wouldn't, wouldn't come in. He was a Buddhist, and he would not come to the prayer meetings. He would always stay out. But some of the men that said they were Christians, when I'd pray, the hair would stand up on their neck. They'd think, oh, my goodness, I got a Bible-thumping boss. I might find me another job. But see, that's not the way we should look at it. But then after God starts doing miracles for you, I mean, for the first three months there, I told him that we serve a God that loves us. And if you worship him and praise him, he does miracles for you. Oh, yeah, sure he does. Thurman, you know, we go to church once in a while. we never seen a miracle. I said, well, then you're not doing something right. Thurman, you've seen miracles? I said, oh, yeah, lots of them. But I go to church. One of them says, I go to a Baptist church. One says, I go to a Lutheran church. One says, well, I go to the Church of Christ. The other says, well, I go to the Catholic church. And I said, and none of you guys ever see God do a miracle? No. I thought, what a shame. You guys been deceived. And they get off together and think, you know, this guy's he's got a little problem here, you know. We may all have to find us a new job. But then three months into this, whenever I touched Miss Edith that morning there in the cafeteria and God instantly healed her right in front of forty people. Hey this stuff became real now. They know me, they know her. Now then, I'm worshiping and praising Him in the course of every day. We're praying. We're doing all these things. And, hey, if I've drawn near to Him and He draws near to me, then that's when He says, come and ask me for anything and I'll do it. And He really meant that. And so, maybe we need to think about this. If we're not seeing God do anything, if we're not seeing Him answer our prayer, we're never seeing Him do a healing or a miracle for us, maybe the problem is not with God. Maybe it's with us. In fact, I know that's where the problem is. That's where the problem was with me all those years until I started doing what he said. As I read the Bible, I took it literally. He's talking to me. And so when I do what he says, he would then do what he said. And wow, life becomes fun when you start seeing God answer your prayer. It really does. Life really does become fun. makes it a whole lot more interesting, doesn't it, Rosemary? 
It does. Yeah, I know it did for Rosemary, too, when she got a hold of this and started believing God. And now she can pray in faith and know Deborah's same way. You know, these two girls sitting here side by side, both of them have got a hold of this. And now when they pray, now it's just no, 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 no doubt. No, it, we, Lord, we, we're doing what you say. We pray it's not. Praise God. And it happens. And that's the way it happens. But he says clearly there in verse 4, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and in, into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Be thankful. Be thankful for everything. Now, one of the things that so many Christians do today, and it took me a long time to get a hold of this, sit down to eat and or just come in to grab a glass of water. And never praise and thank the Lord for that. But let me tell you, hot as it was today. In fact, when I, when I came in about 11.30 for a drink, when I walked in, of course, I had great big drops of sweat. Although I'd already been to the bathroom and washed my arms and washed a lot of that dirt off of me and washed my face and dried and everything, I was so hot that the sweat just popped right back out. And so when I went in, the kitchen, Yesha and Dave happened to be in there. And as soon as I walked in the hall, Yesha turned to me, she said, Man, are you hot! How did she know I was hot? She didn't come over and feel me. She saw the perspiration coming out all over me. But let me tell you, I was, it was easy for me to get that glass of ice and say, Lord, thank you for, in fact, even to Yesha, she went and got it for me. She went and got the big glass of ice and, and filled it with water. But it was very, very easy for me to say, Lord, thank you for blessing me with this wonderful glass of water. That's why I say, you mean you're going to thank God for a glass of water? And when you're as hot and thirsty as I was, let me tell you, that glass of water is the difference between life and death. See? So we need to praise Him and thank Him. Do you know if, if I had been out there another hour or two as hot as it was and couldn't have got any water, you know, your body could shut down. It could quit functioning. You've got to have water when it's as hot as it is today. If you're out there in that 100, 110 degree heat, you've got to have some water. You can't keep going without water. So, who made the water? The Lord did. I'm grateful. So, he says, come to him with thanksgiving for everything. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And... <clears throat> His truth endureth to all generations. It's available to all. Then why do so many people miss it? They don't do what we've been talking about. If you don't do it, you miss it. Think of the people. Think of the churches today. Think of even my own walk. Forty years, sickness, disease, never saw an answer to prayer, nothing. But when I started doing it God's way, in the last 20 years, I have seen thousands of answers to prayer. Thousands. Not just one or two, but thousands. What made the difference? I decided to do it His way. It might not have been the way I wanted to do it, but since He's God and He said do it, I found that if I do it his way, everything goes great. All I got to do is do it his way. Never question him, nothing. Just do it his way. And when I did, wow, everything started going great. 
Let's go to Psalms 138.2. 138.2. Psalms 138.2 says, I will worship toward your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified, now this is the New King James, for you have magnified your word above all your names. The word is the most powerful thing in the universe. And you and I have this book. We carry it with us. Right, Ellis? In the day when I cried out, you answered me. And you made me bold with strength in my soul. In fact, Alex and I was just talking about something a while ago. He was telling me some of the problems he's having at work with people. And I told him, I said, Alex, you know, you really need to take the scripture. You need to praise and worship the Lord and then ask him to provide you with the right people, you know, and that will be prepared to do the kind of work that you do. I said, I remember when I was in Detroit... When they gave me the Detroit operation, we went up there and built a great big building. It took us a, well over a year to build this big monster there at the airport. Finally got it built, got it open. We had to hire a lot of people. And, of course, I needed a manager in the truck shop, and I needed a manager over that building to take care of the maintenance issues in that building. I mean, they had a HR department that did. They interviewed people by the hundreds every day. No mechanics at all came in. None. The VP told me, said, Thurman, I don't know what we're going to do about finding you some people. I said, I know what to do. So I went to my hotel. I got on my knees and I raised my hand and worshiped the king. I said, now, Lord, I need a very good man in the truck shop. And, Lord, I'd love for him to be a Christian. But I said, if he's not... I'll tell him about you. But I need a man that can take care of the work. I said, in the building, I need a very good lead, a manager that I can put in there. And I would love also for him to be a Christian. But if he's not, I'll tell him about you. Well, the very next day, I said, and then I thanked him for bringing me these people. Don't ever forget to thank him. So the next day, I happened to walk into Glenn McGill's office there. And a man was standing there talking to Glenn. And Glenn said, oh, by the way, this is Thurman Scrivener. He's our regional engineer. And he turned at me and he says, are you in charge of the truck shop? I said, well, yes, sir. He said, you wouldn't happen to need a good mechanic, would you? I said, I would. And he said, by the way, this guy's a great Christian, too. Isn't that amazing? I ain't never seen this man in my life. Not, don't know nothing. But I said, well, man, that's a perfect criteria that I'm looking for. I said, how do you know him? He said, we worked for us for years. For the last 10 years, he's worked for us. But we're having to lay him off. I said, well, good grief. If he's that good, why are you having to lay him off? He said, man, I hate it. We said, we're a union out there. And said, he is the last one on the list. He was the last man to come to work for us 10 years ago. But said, he's one of the best men I got. But he said, according to the union, I got to lay him off. He said, I got a half a dozen of them I'd rather lay off before him. But he said, I got to lay him off. I said, okay. And so 
I said, tell him to call me. Well, he did, and the next day the guy came in, and he sat there and filled out an application. He only says, how much money do you need? And, you know, he put down a number. And after I talked to him, I was so impressed with his ability and his knowledge. I said, Brian, you fit all the criteria. And then I asked him a question. I said, do you have your own tools? He said, well, I got a few. And I thought, now, wait a minute now. Is he humble or what? Because if he can do everything he said he could do, he's probably got a lot of tools. But he said, I got a few. I said, well, do you have enough to do the work? Oh, he said, yeah, I believe I have enough to do anything you want to do. I said, oh, okay. I said, there's only one problem, and that's the pay. He said, Thurman, I put the lowest amount of money. I, I, I have a wife and two children. I can't possibly work for any less than that. I said, well, that's not the problem, Brian. I think that's too little. I wasn't going to pay you that. I said, you're worth, and I was going to a couple, two or three dollars an hour more than he put down. I said, this is what I'm willing to pay you with your knowledge. He said, are you a Christian? <laughs> I said, of course I am, Brian. Why? He said, when I was going to get laid off, I said, God, I got to have a good job somewhere, but I want to work for a Christian man. This organization I work for has not been Christian. Would you attach me with some outfit? The man is a Christian. Hey, does God hear our prayers? He put that man with me, and that man turned out to be the most super manager in the truck shop. And he hired three or four, five guys to help him, and he interviewed them and hired them and everything. And then one day, after about a couple of months, I was up there, and the VP was there, and he said, Thurman, where did you find that guy? Where did you find Brian? He said, we had our whole HR department looking for you, a lead mechanic in the truck shop, and said, we couldn't find nobody. And how did you find this guy? I said, it's real easy. I went home, got on my knees, and I prayed, and God brought him to me. And then later, the same thing happened with the young man I hired in the building, and he was so supernatural. He said, how did you find him? I said, chief, the same way. I prayed. He threw up his hands. He said, you know what I'm going to do with you? I said, what? He said, I'm going to put you in charge of HR. I said, no, I don't want to be in charge of HR. But I said, I'm an engineer. I'm not a human resource person. But I said, when I need someone, I know the one that I can go to, and he'll send me these men. Now, the young man in the building was a great mechanic, but he was not a Christian. He didn't know Jesus. He'd been raised up in a Catholic church a little bit, but he hadn't gone very much. So it's like being a Baptist, not going very much. You know, mom and daddy go once in a while, but he didn't know nothing about Jesus. And so I started talking to him about Jesus. And that was something. And then I inspired him to read his Bible. That was something else. And he did start reading it. And then one day I had a big job in Houston that I couldn't get done. And I called him because he was so knowledgeable. And I asked him, I said, would you fly down to Houston and work with me for two weeks? I got some massive refrigeration problems and I need a super guy and you're super. I said, come down and help me. He said, okay. And while he was down there, we worked together. And while he was down there, one night we're standing there in my little cage office in a building that we're building. And I just talked to him about Jesus. And that night I got to see that man come to know Jesus as his Lord and Savior. 
So there was very few men that worked for me that I did not lead to Christ in all those years. But after all, that's what we're supposed to be about. You know, that is your primary job. If you worship and praise the king and you put him first and you're willing to bow down and do all the things that with thanksgiving, he will put you to work somewhere to do something great and you'll get to see him do great and awesome things. He'll bring people into the kingdom. He'll save them. He'll heal them. He'll do awesome things for you. And I love that. Don't you? Absolutely. We, we love that. Now then, after we got through with that one, he exalts his name and he answered us. When we cry unto him, he answers us. But see, I used to not know enough about the Bible. I never cried out to God because I really didn't know he would answer me. I had never heard God's voice at that time and I didn't hear it. Until, I think, whatever, 1977, June of 1977. So I was in my late 30s, I guess, or whatever, or nearly 40 or whatever by that time. And lo and behold, studying the Word of God one night is when He spoke to me. While I was engrossed in His Word, the King spoke to me the first time. And that changed my life forever, I'll tell you for sure. When you hear God's voice the first time, and I know some of you in here have heard that authoritative, audible voice, just like I have, but that changed my life forever. Forever. And I've never been the same. But now then, I can stand here before you now and say I have lost count. I don't even know how many times I've heard God's authoritative voice, but it's in excess of 30 times. But I kept count of them real close for a while. And then all of a sudden, you know, you can't keep up with it no more. What a problem to have. It's a wonderful thing to serve God and, and hear Him talk to you. And then, of course, what's so awesome is when you're praying for people and God's there and somebody comes up and He'll just tell you. I mean, I've had Him tell me what this man's or this woman's sin is. I mean, just audibly tell me. And, of course, then I tell them what their sin is. And, of course... Uh, Cheryl, of course, both Cheryl's up here, Ty's Cheryl and my Cheryl too. These girls have this discerning of spirits, and God obviously must speak to these two girls because we go places together, and I guess God, maybe one of the reasons He's quit talking to me now, because He's put two wonderful women in my life, Ty's Cheryl and my Cheryl, and He communicates with them. All of a sudden, Cheryl will tell Cheryl, or Cheryl will tell me, whatever. Well, or they'll just go over and talk and say, I know what's wrong with that person. They got this problem. The spirit of whatever is upon them. And whenever they do that, and then whenever Cheryl whispers in my ear in the prayer line, and I talk to those people, that's the problem. I thought, wow, this is awesome. But they hear from God real good. They really do. So it's wonderful when you have a mate that is tuned into God and she or he hears from God because he does talk to us. Now then, let's go on here and let's look at the Matthew 4, 8. Let's see. Uh, we're, going, we're going to get over here. And since God told us to worship him, then does Satan always run a parallel with the things God does? The beast does, doesn't he? Well, let's go over and see if that beast wants to be worshipped. And unfortunately, we worship him in so many ways, we don't even realize how we do it. But in Matthew chapter 4, verse 8, said, Again, again the devil took him, Jesus, into 
an exceeding high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And then the devil said unto Jesus, All these things, not just one or two of them, all these things I'll give to you if you will bow down and worship me. Does that beast want to be worshipped? Yes, he does. He wants to be worshipped. See, that's the sin that got him kicked out of heaven. He wanted the glory and praise that came in to the throne of God, and he was going to pass it on to the Father, but he wanted to keep it. He wanted the angels to worship him. He wants to be worshipped. Now, it says there, All these things will I give you if you will fall down and worship me. But look at Jesus' answer. Then said Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, or get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord thy God, and him only shall you serve. Now, see, when the devil comes to you with the systems of the world, or whatever he comes to you with, I mean, if he'll get you busy doing all kinds of things so you don't have time to worship God, if he can, in your business. I mean, if he can get you so busy doing your job, even taking care of your children or your housework, he can get you so busy doing all that, and then he'll have the television turned on and some wonderful little soap opera will come on for you men or women that happen to be at home during the day sometimes, and you happen to start looking at those, and first thing you know, you've got to watch that show every day. You cannot miss that 30-minute, or then there'll be another one right after that, and another one after that. And if you're not careful, you will step into a place of worshiping the devil. And a lot of people don't realize that by watching some of those things or doing those things, you are worshiping the enemy. But you are. Now, if you want to get cut off from God's power, just start worshiping that television set. You know, and for us men, many men really have this problem. I'm grateful I have never had this problem, but many have this problem. I mean, when maybe it's baseball season for you, or maybe it's soccer for you, or maybe it's football for you, or maybe it's just all sports. But lots of men have this problem with football. I mean, they know every player, you know, I mean... I mean, with the, maybe your Dallas Cowboys is your team, or who knows who it is. Maybe it's uh, some the Redskins or whatever. I, I thought for a minute, I thought, Lord, I don't even know enough about them to name some of them, but a couple of names come up there. But maybe you know everybody that plays for them, and you know all their statistics and where they come from and everything, but yet you don't know anything about God's Word. You might be able to sit and talk to somebody intelligently about the uh, Dallas Cowboys, and all the things they've done and who've been their coaches and everything. And then somebody, you come to church and somebody says, do you know the Word? Can you quote me a couple of scriptures? And they can't. They can't even quote you one or two scriptures. Father, in Jesus' name, give that little guy peace. And little girl, give her peace in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now then... Uh, after Jesus did this to the devil, it says the devil left him 
And behold, angels came and ministered unto him. Now, how would you like to be doing God's work and the devil come and put you to the test and you've passed your test and the Lord sends some angels to minister to you? Would that make you feel good? It would make me feel good. Amen. And he has done that for, to me a few times. And I'm so grateful when those angels do come and minister to you. It's wonderful, especially when you can see them. But I've only had the privilege to see three that I knew were angels. That's all I've ever seen. But I have no idea, and you are just like me, you have no idea of the times that angels have been there to help you. And you thought they were just a human being. One of the elderly ladies that was in my Sunday school class for years, she told us a story in its honor and on the angels video. Uh, uh, she's actually there and you get to see her. And this lady told us a great story about one day she was driving her car and she ran out of gas. And when she ran out of gas, she was on an exit ramp and her car stopped there. And she said, Lord, I got to have some help. Lord, please send somebody by to help me. She never dreamed what was going to happen. She had much more and thanked the Lord for it. And she said, a white wrecker came off of the ramp, pulled around in front of me, stopped, backed up to me, and a guy with a white suit on driving a white wrecker. Now, I've seen a lot of wreckers in my life, and I've seen a lot of mechanics driving them wrecker, but I ain't never seen one step out with a white suit on. You don't wear white suits when you're going to go tow somebody. I know, I've been a mechanic in my life, and when you're working with equipment, you don't wear a white suit. But this guy had a white suit on. He gets out. Now then, he does not come to the window to say, ma'am, can I help you? He backs up, lets the deal down, hooks it under the front bumper of her car, picks it up, and just kind of waves at her. Goes back and gets in the wrecker, pulls her around, around the corner, and up the street a little bit to a gas station. Pulls her in right beside the pump. Let's the car down, of course, gets out, lets the car down, unhooks it, picks it back up, and then waves at her again and goes and gets in the wrecker and drives off. Never said a single word to her. Not one. Now then, that was an angel. When she prayed and asked the Lord she needed some help, he had a readily available angel driving a white <laughs> with a white suit on that came, and she said, Thurman, there was not a spot on that white suit. <laughs> and even after putting that thing under there, and raising it up and pulling her down, and unhooking it and putting it back, there was still not one single spot on that white suit. Now, I, I realize that all record drivers in Dallas wear white suits. Yeah, sure they do. I ain't never seen one with a white suit on, and you hardly ever see a white wrecker. Once in a while, you do. But... Can you imagine this lady now that she must be, she's well up in her mid to late 80s right now. And I haven't seen her in a while. But only a few months ago, I pulled up to the post office and she was there with maybe one of her grandchildren or something. To, you know, they were an, an, a lady driving the car. And she was sitting on the right side, and I got out, and when I got out, I looked over, I said, well, praise God, how are you doing, young lady? And she opened that door and said, you come down here and hug my neck right this minute. And so I had to go around and hug her neck, and, uh, she, you know, I have tried my best to teach that lady what faith is. But she said, Thurman, 
everything you say is in the Bible, but I just can't get a hold of it. Some of these powerful things that you talk about. She said, I've, you know, I've seen God do some wonderful things, but she said, I just can't get a hold of these great and awesome things. Now, what do you think might be the problem? Have we hit on any of them tonight? What if you miss these areas? What if you don't do everything God tells you to do? Hey, you're going to miss out on something. You're going to miss out. You know, if you want to see Him do wonderful things for you, you've got to stop doing it your way and do it His way. Because He's God. Somebody says, I don't want to do it that way. Okay, God's not upset. He just won't do no miracles for you. <laughs> it's really simple. He is not hard to get along with. But let me tell you, when you go pray for people, if he doesn't show up, guess what's going to happen? Zero. I mean, you can pray. In fact, that second night, not the second night, the last night we were there, the last service on Thursday night, we, the pastor told me to cut it short. He said, you know, you're going to have so many people to pray for. And the house was packed. I mean, that church was full of people. He said, don't teach two hours tonight. He said, if you go from seven to nine, you know, like we're scheduled. He said, we're going to be here late praying for all these people. Well, the Holy Spirit's in control. You have to do what he says and not what the pastor says. So I taught from seven to nine thirty, actually nine thirty five. And then we started praying for people, and we didn't get away from there until about 2, did we? About 2 o'clock. Cheryl and Ty was praying for them. Cheryl and I was praying for them and everything. And we got to see God do some awesome things. But Cheryl and I got to pray for a man and a woman. Now, I don't know all the things happened with Cheryl and Ty, but we were so busy with ours. But two of the things we got to see, one of the men... They come up, he said, I want you to pray. One of the things is my shoulder. He said, I've had surgery on my shoulder. I've got all kinds of problems. Got a, I forget what I was wrong. He said, I'm going to lift my arm about this high. And he, and that. So I said, well, no, no problem. The Lord can fix that. And I reached up and prayed the prayer of faith for him. And then Cheryl said, lift your arm. He looked at her. She said, if, if you, do you believe? He said, well, yeah. She said, well, praise him and lift your arm. He said, Lord, I praise you. And as he started up with the arm, it went all the way up. I mean, he was really praising God. Wow! He said, I couldn't do this. And this guy was running around the church hollering. And, of course, the people are watching this. And so a little bit later, we pray for a lady that had the same kind of problem. And she couldn't raise her arm up. And she was instantly healed. And she could raise her arm all the way up. So about 1 or one thirty in the morning, when we're still praying for people... I kind of look back there, and there's people everywhere sitting in the chairs, sitting in the in the uh, you know in the, in, the, in the sanctuary, and I think, good grief, Lord! I hope all of them don't need to be prayed for. If they do, we're gonna be here till six o'clock in the morning. But you know what? They they were just watching to see what God was gonna do. Yeah, if you've seen him do a few of these kind of things, everybody's sitting there. Wow! Wonder what's gonna happen next. But. I love that, don't you? And so they stayed. Yeah, I told them about the little girl's hand already. Yeah. I mean, it's awesome to see God do these kind of things. But, I mean, you know, when you think about hands, I mean, you could have faith for a little hand without a problem because, I, I, of course, I prayed for some people that had problems with their hands that nothing happened. But I have prayed for people that had problems with their hands that couldn't open them. And many of those... And even one little young man here, he still lives here in the Fort Worth area, 
that for seven or eight years his hand had been withered because his arm had been broken so many places. Seven or eight times his arm was broken, and whenever his arm grew back, the hand would come down like this. And he came up one night, and I prayed the prayer of faith for him over in the North Richland Hills. And God instantly healed that hand. I mean, it became perfectly normal right in front of our eyes. Wow! You know, when you get to see God do those kind of things, you think, Lord, let's praise you and worship you some more. You know, it pays great dividends to do it God's way. Somebody said, well, I'm going to do it my way. Okay, do it your way. I don't have a problem with that. I'm just telling you that God's telling us what to do. As long as we do it His way, you get to see Him do some wonderful things. Now, if you don't do it His way, you won't get to see Him do wonderful things. But, you know, does that mean you don't go to heaven? No. If you believe in Jesus, you might, you know, very well still may get to go to heaven. But I thought I believed and I was a Christian all those years till I was about 40. And then I stepped over and started doing it his way. And then I started seeing answers to prayer. And then when I teach it to other people, they see him do great and awesome things. And I love that. Donna's sitting there smiling, shaking. She said, yeah, we, do, we love it too. Yeah, because only me and her and David know what we prayed for them for here a while back. And God just showed up. <laughs> Oh, man, it's awesome when you pray and believe, isn't it? It's awesome. So, well, let's just let's do it his way. Now then, we see that the devil wanted worship, and we see that the Lord, when he was here in the form of a man, he told the devil to hit the road. Get behind me, you devil. And when he, sh- when he shows up to you, that's what you need to tell him to do too, right? Absolutely. Get behind me, you devil. I ain't going to worship you. I ain't going to do nothing that's going to bring glory and honor to you. Then it says in John 6.63, in John 6.63, I'll give you just a second to get there. John 6.63 has some very, very, uh, a very important word there in that scripture. John 6.63 said, it is the Spirit that quickeneth. The Holy the Spirit. It is the Spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profits nothing. Now then, if you don't think the flesh profits nothing, all you got to do is look around at what we do for the flesh. I mean, we buy nice cars for it to ride in. You know, we buy nice houses to live in. In fact, I was telling my Cheryl the other day and some people at the minister center, we were talking, I said a couple that came here for a while, they don't come now, but they came for a while and they were going to buy a new house. Just two of them, you know, man, one man, one woman. And they wanted a new home. And they asked me, said, as an engineer, would you go one day next week with us? We'd love to come by and pick you up and take you over and see this new house we're going to look at. And I said, sure. I, uh, we just want your input, what you think about it. I said, okay. So they came by and picked me up. And they took me over into an area, I think it was in Plano. We drove way back over in here somewhere. And boy, when we pulled into this development, I saw these houses, I thought, now wait a minute, there are just two of them. Why in the world would you want a house like that? But we pulled in, and they looked, and I mean, I can assure you that the landscaping to get up into the front porch probably had twenty-five dollars to $50,000 involved. This was a huge house. And we're walking around this house, I'm looking, at, it was very well done, you know, nice 
carpenter work and everything was really put together nice, looked good. And I asked the guy that was there, I said, what do you think the taxes would cost on a house like this? Oh, he said, the taxes over here are really not bad at all. I said, they're not. I said, so what do you think on the, I don't know what y'all are asking for this house, but what do you think that the taxes would probably run on a house like this? Oh, he said only about twenty-eight to 30000 a year. Only twenty-eight to 30000 a year just for taxes? Hey, for two people? I think that's, uh, if you had, if you had ten, six or eight kids and ten or twelve grandkids that were going to come and run around in this place and you had the money to do this, that's okay. But if you ain't got nobody, this couple had no children. No children. They ain't going to have no grandbabies and there's only two of them and they're thinking about buying a house that costs three quarters to a million dollars? I don't think that's, we left there, I told them, I said, you know, the house is very well done. I think it's good if y'all can afford that, and that's what you want. It's a good house. But I said, I think there's many ways you can use your money in a better way for God's kingdom than to give the government 30000 a year for taxes, you know, and then who knows. But So they didn't buy it. I don't know what they did, but they didn't buy the house. But I, who knows what they did buy? I don't know. But anyway, you know, we put a lot of things in front of God. Now, I don't know about this couple, but it would be interesting for couples that live in a house that costs that kind of money and they're paying that kind of taxes. It would be interesting to know if they give God, you know, if they are tithers. Now, then, if they are, they're going to be blessed. They're going to be blessed. God blesses. Ain't nothing wrong with being blessed. But, you know, over in Malachi 2, I read Malachi twice Saturday night. The whole thing is not very long, the whole book of Malachi. But in chapter 2, the Lord says, you know, if you don't do what I tell you to do, I will even curse you in your blessings. Somebody said, well, gee, this guy, he's got lots of money. You know, he's got all kinds of, he's got all kinds of cars and buses and trucks and Everything else. And he's got lots of money coming in. Oh, he's blessed. He don't even go to church. But it would be interesting to follow him around and see how he's cursed. Because God said, if you don't serve me and put me first, I will curse you even in your blessings. So you know, if God said it, it can't fail, right? So anyway, when you learn those things, if you have a lot of money, what do you want to do with it? You want to give God His part so you can continue to be blessed like He says. But if you've got a little bit of money, if you don't tithe, you ain't never going to be blessed. You know, so if you think, well, I don't have enough money to tithe. Well, if you don't think you've got enough money to tithe, if you don't start tithing, you ain't never going to have no more. You know, you're never going to be blessed until you do it God's way. You have to do everything God's way. You know, I guess He can do that. He's only God, right? Is that right? I mean, he's the boss. And so, you know, what he says goes. You know, so, and you can't go to, uh, you know, you can't look up a higher authority. When you say, well, now, you know, I, 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 I want to go to the appeals court, Lord. He said, I am the appeals court. 
It's it. There ain't no higher one. So you do it my way or else. And so the more you read the book, the more you see what he says. Then he says, the, the, prophet, the flesh prophets us nothing, but said, The word that I speak unto you, they are spirit. And they are life. Now, the words are what? Spirit. The words of God are spirit. Well, if he tells us in that verse right above there that we was in a while ago when we were in Matthew, it says, God is a spirit. In fact, in in John 4, maybe I didn't read that. Maybe I missed that. In John 4, 23 and 24, I'm sorry, I missed that in my outline. I had my thumb down below that. In John 4, 23 and 24, it says, But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers, the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. He seeks us out to worship Him in spirit and in truth. It says now in verse 24, God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. So how do you do that? That would be a good question. How, if He only honors the spirit, then how do we do that? Well... The answer was in John 6.63. It is the Spirit that quickeneth, and the flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are truth and they are life. So, if the Word is truth and life, and they are Spirit, if the words are Spirit, then how do you worship Him in Spirit? You worship Him with the Word. You quote the Word to Him. When you come to the Lord and say, Lord, I am praising You and thanking You for the healing of this little boy because You said in Your Word that You've given me power over demons. And when I command the demon in the name of Jesus to leave, he has to leave. And when I lay my hands on him, he is healed. I am worshiping him with his Word. I am quoting His Word back to Him. And He said, I watch over my Word to perform it. And so He's standing there, and the devil that had made that little boy wet that bed all of his life for nine years, I can see the king now, as this little boy came into the kingdom and got saved, and the Lord had trained me. And I get to kneel down there on that floor, and that little boy at the same height, and ask speak to that thing and command it to leave. I can only see the king sitting, standing right beside me with his arms crossed saying, Devil, did you hear what my son said? Now you leave that little guy. Yeah, you had legal right to him all this time. But now then it's over. My son has faith. That little guy's my little son. And my son is worshiping me with my word. He is calling me into remembrance of my word. And so, devil, you got to leave. So that's the next day that little boy can walk in with his Bible under his arm with his hair combed. And he says, I'm a new man today. 
That touched Cheryl's heart. She will never forget that little guy. <laughs> oh, he touched her heart. But he touched mine, too, I will have to say. I mean, to think we got to be the team that prayed for him. And we got to see the king heal him. Yeah, oh, yeah. And, of course, the next night from that miracle, when that happened, I mean, just think, a preacher prayed over this little guy and his life's changed. And he does it with the bed that night. Now, everybody the next night comes wanting a miracle from God. Isn't it amazing what happens when God shows up? He's glorified, isn't he, Donna? He glorifies himself. He's looking for you and me to worship him and glorify him and speak his word and worship him in truth and in spirit, which is by the word. And so he tells us everything, how to do this. Then after we do this, after we worship Him like this, then we need to add this one extra ingredient that's so important. Who knows what it is that without it you can't please Him? Faith. Without faith, you can't please God. So now then, after we're worshiping and doing all these things, and, and praising and bowing down and thanking Him and all the things, and He says, now then, you need to add faith. To everything else. So now then, let's see some scriptures that talks about this. Let's go to Matthew fifteen twenty-two, and let's read this story about the Styrophoenician woman in Matthew fifteen twenty-two. I got a great revelation out of this. I had read it many times, as I have many other places in the Bible. But boy, when I got down here to this. I learned something. I, I'd sit there and look at this story. I said, Lord, I can't believe you're doing this woman like this. I just don't understand you. Your compassion, I just don't understand you. But he had a message here. And I finally got it, I believe, or at least part of it. It says in Matthew fifteen twenty-two, And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast, and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. She's smarter than we are. At least she knew what was the problem. But he answered her not a word. What? The kind, compassionate Jesus didn't answer her a word? He just kept walking. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she cries after you. That doesn't sound like our compassionate Jesus, does it? So he's trying to teach us something here. We need to learn what he's trying to teach us. Because Jesus was kind and compassionate. And he wanted to meet the needs of the people. But he has a message in all these scriptures. But he answered and said, I am not sent... But unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And she heard him say this. So then came she and worshipped him. Now what did we say a while ago? We read all through the psalm. What did he say for we were supposed to do? Worship. worship him. So we're getting the idea. By this time he loves worship, right? Yeah. Now then, he's the creator. He's God, but he was a man. But if... He loves to be worshipped, and He's God. I think we ought to do it His way. Don't you? It makes only good sense 
to do it his way. Don't be hard to get along with. She worshipped him and said unto him, Lord, help me. And after she worshipped, look, he's talking now. But he answered and said. But look what he said. This was something that blew me away. This is a King James Version. It is not fit to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. He just called this woman a dog. That's not exactly what you would expect the king to say to a little woman, would you? But it's in the book. Now then, we're going to see how she responded. How would you respond? If I walked up to you and said, Cheryl, you ain't nothing but a dog. Ooh, now then, it depends on who I was and everything else as to how she might definitely take that as an offense. So, but this little lady, look what she said. And she said, truth, Lord. In other words, I know I'm a dog. She fit right in there with him. Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. And look what Jesus said. Then Jesus entered and said unto her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it unto you even as you will. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Now then she worshipped him and then she agreed with everything he said. When you go to worship him and he says, you know, you've been sinning big time lately. In other words, how many people of us that knelt to pray and we start worshiping him and need something, all of a sudden a sin comes up in our life? Where'd that come from? Lord, let me put that. I don't want you to know that. Hey, he's the one that knew it and pulled it up for you. He wants you to repent so you get your answer. But you're pushing it back down. No, that's, I mean, if the Lord is saying, oh, you want me to do something and you're coming worshiping me, but how about that sin? And he names it for you and it just comes right up in your head and you say, I hadn't thought of that in 10 years. That old woman or that old man, I mean, they deserve, I mean, yeah, I got this grudge against them. Why did I think about them? All of a sudden I'm coming to God, I'm asking for something and this guy's name come up I ain't thought about in 10 years. Now it's going to depend on how you're going to respond to that. You say, Lord, I haven't thought of that man in 10 years, but Lord, I did sin grossly there. I have a grudge against that man, Lord. I'm going to forgive that man from my heart right now. And if I ever see that man again, I'll love him. Now, is that the right response? Oh, the Lord says, okay, I got your attention. And you said, Lord, I forgive him. Lord, I'll love him. I'll, I'll do exactly what your word says. And by the way, Lord, I have this need. And all of a sudden you realize... It's already done. What you come to him to ask him for, it's done. Because you responded correctly. But if you push that sin back down, you can stay there and pray all night. And there ain't nothing going to happen. Because you didn't do what the king told you to do. You didn't agree with what he said. This woman agreed with him. I didn't come to the lost Anybody but the lost sheep of Israel. Besides that woman, you're just a dog. He, she said, Lord, I know I'm a dog, but you're still my master. And I, even the puppy dogs 
get the crumbs that fall from the master's table. He said, woman, because of this saying, your daughter is healed. Go in peace. She got her request from the king. There's some great messages in this book if you'll just sit down with it and dig these things out. But today, the only difference today and then, then he was physically walking around. You could see him and touch him. And today you can't. But he still talks to us, doesn't he? Yes, he does. He'll touch your heart. And every one of us probably have experienced something like this. It's just like we have people do this all the time. And I used to do this. A man would call or a woman would call and say, Thurman, there's a sick person in the hospital in Cook's Medical Center. Would you go down there and pray for them? I said, what's her name? Well, they'd tell me the name. And then I'd say, okay. And so I got the name and the room number. So I go down there. And when I get there, I walk in the room. And I said, uh, I'm looking for Johnny. And the guy said, well, this is Johnny. He's my son. Who are you? I said, well, I'm Thurman Scrivener. I was asked to come and pray for this boy. He said, I didn't call you. I said, well, no, there was a lady. Well, what was her name? And I'd give him the name. He said, I don't know who that is. I never heard of her. After three or four times of getting bit like that, now then when somebody calls, I say, are you a parent? Just like today. We had a lady today call. Want me to go to Cook's Medical Center and pray for a 14-year-old boy. That's an intensive care. I said, find out what the relationship is. Is this the mother? And it was not. It's a friend of a friend of a friend. Way down. Well, I want to talk. I said, have the father call me. Well, the father's in prison. We found out that. And then the stepmother is not even the mother of the child. Well, what happened to the little boy? He got in a fight with some other boys. Do you reckon there's any kind of sin involved in this family? You reckon it would do any good to go down there and pray for that boy? No. There's got to be something done here in faith and in love. The daddy has got to repent. Maybe he has, but maybe he doesn't even know Jesus. But if he's divorced and married another woman, and it's not even the mother of the child, we've got all kinds of complications here. And that's why we have such a failure of getting people healed, because God has a way of doing things. And I'm learning some of those ways. Now then, if the parent had to call me, although he's in prison, if he could have made a phone call to me and said, Thurman, I've heard about your ministry And I am in prison for doing this, but I have repented, and I'm serving God, I'm going to church and everything. Now then, if his wife would contact me then and say, I'm the stepmother, and I'm a Christian, and I love God, and I'm going to church, and I'm doing all these things, would you mind coming down here and praying for my son? Then are you walking in obedience to God's Word? Are you walking in love? Are you doing what God says? You ain't sleeping with no other men while your husband's in prison, are you? Because if she was, what do you think the chances would be to get the boy healed? Zero. Zero. See, people don't understand these principles. These are God's principles. He laid this plan out. I didn't lay this out. He did. But he's the one who tells us what to do.
But now he says add faith. Let's see what he says in Matthew about this woman that worshipped the Lord here. When this woman that had this great faith, when she added, after she worshipped and praised the Lord and brought her request to him and then agreed with everything he said, even the convicting of sin, when she agreed and then the Lord moved and he worshipped, I mean, he, after she worshipped and after she agreed with him, then and only then did he heal this woman's daughter. So the woman went home, and the daughter was healed. So if you need an answer to a prayer, what would be the very first thing to start doing? Worshiping. If you want the prayer answered anyway. We learned that, haven't we, Rosemary? Hey, but did you know, let me tell you something. How many of you would like to very rarely have to go to the throne of grace for your own self? Hey, you know how to do that? Spend a lot of time worshiping. A lot of time worshiping the Lord. Spend very little time with the world. If you're out there doing something for the world, do it to glorify the Lord. You know? Be, I mean, if you're working, and we have to work doing things to make a living, where you're working, whatever you're doing, worship the Lord. When, you, when you're working, I mean, you can be worshiping Him. You can be working on a computer. You can be washing dishes. You can do anything you can, in fact, I think of a little Baptist girl one time that they were in my Sunday school class. Her husband had been chairman of the deacons at the Lakeland Baptist Church. And one day she was in my Sunday school class, and her husband was busy doing something else, so he wasn't there that day. He was, out, he was in the church, but he wasn't in my Sunday school class. And we got over talking about tongues in a Baptist church. It happened to be that was some of the teaching. And she said, Thurman, do you believe people really speak in tongues? I said, well, sure. It's written in the book. She said, do you speak in tongues? I said, no. Never have at that time. I said, I, I don't speak in them. She said, but you believe people do? I said, well, it's written right here. Sure. They do, of course. And so, after class was over, we walked out, and she walked up beside me, and she said, do you really believe people can talk in tongues? I said, well, her name was Margie. I said, Margie, of course I believe it. She said, why do you believe it? I said, because it's written in the Bible. So I believe people speak in tongues. She said, you really believe that, don't you? I said, well, sure I do. I said, why why are you pushing me so hard? She said, because I do it. I said, well, praise God. How did it happen? She said, I was washing dishes at the sink of the most unlikely place. And she said, I was washing dishes and I was just praising and worshiping God. I was just loving Him with all of my heart. She said, I wasn't even conscious that I was washing dishes. I'm washing, but I'm praising Him. And said, all of a sudden, these strange words begin to come up in me. And I close my mouth. What is these words? And so she said, Went back to worshiping and praising. And those strange words came from down deep. And said, I just opened my mouth and said, this strange language started coming out of me. And she said, I must have sat there for, I don't know, 30 minutes or an hour. And she said, as long as I was worshiping, these words kept coming. 
And she said, I would quit worshiping and they would stop. And so she said, I've come to realize now that if I get into a state of worship and praise, that prayer language I've now learned said at that time I didn't even know what it was. But she said, I now know. But she said, I said, wow, you ought to tell the church about this. She said, oh, no. She said, I've tried to tell a few of my friends in the Baptist church kind of elude to it. What do you think about that? You really think people are talking to tongues? No, that stuff's of the devil. You know, nobody, nobody that's a real Christian would dare do nothing like that. That's of the devil. So she said, I didn't tell them. So that's why she said, I asked you so many times before I would share it with you. Isn't that a shame where we live? Well, let me tell you. If you don't have the gift of miracles, that don't mean God didn't give it to somebody else. You know? If you don't have the gift of healing, that doesn't mean He didn't give it to someone else. You know? If you don't have the gift of tongues, that doesn't mean He didn't give it to somebody else. You know? So if it's written in the book, believe God. You know? And then for all the gifts you do have, praise Him and thank Him for all of them. And ask Him, Lord, I want... Lord, I hate to be a pig tonight. But Lord, I want them all. You know, I want all the gifts. I just want everything. You know, I mean, I can't think of anything better than wanting to have all of the gifts of the Spirit. Can you? Wow. I mean, I know just like the gifts that God has given these two Cheryls up here on the front row. I mean, I mean, I think of the times Ty has told me that his wife has gotten a word of knowledge or whatever or something, and it changed everything he's doing. And then he's looked around and said, well, God, I didn't know that. Well, let me tell you, that's why he gave him a wife. Or that's why the Cheryl, my Cheryl, that's why that God speaks to her sometimes. And we'll be praying. She'll just automatically have a word of knowledge and say, you know, this is his problem. And so I'll pray like that. And they get healed or delivered. So isn't it wonderful? Hey, do we believe that God gives us the nine gifts of the Spirit like he said? Well, I do. I believe they're there. There's only one thing. I want him to give them all to me. I want them all to work all the time. But it has never worked like that. You know, the gift of miracles, when the gift of miracles comes upon you and you reach up and uh, like we did down in Louisiana that day with that lady, and I walked up and laid my hand on her shoulder and she had Parkinson's and lupus and that woman was instantly healed of everything. The, I just reached up and put my hand on her. She come down that... Cheryl's met her since then. She wasn't with me at the time. Norma. Norma, yeah. Cheryl remembers her name. When Norma came down that night after service, I said, what's wrong with you? And she said, I have Parkinson's and I have lupus. And I just reached up and laid my hand on her shoulder. I said, in the name of Jesus. And her hand says, I said, wow. That's what I said, Rosemary. Praise the Lord. And, of course, that's when I looked over and seen Johnny Brumfield. Of course, I didn't know who he was either. When I saw Johnny Brumfield sitting over there with them steel braces on his legs, I thought, oh, God, Lord, let me get to him while this gift of miracles is working. Woo! And I go running over there and ask Johnny what's wrong with him. He told me that a tree had fell on him 21 months before and crushed his legs. And the doctor said he ain't ever going to walk another day of his life. And I said, but Jesus said in John 14, 13 and 14 that I could ask the Father anything. Do you believe that? He said, I do. I reached up and laid my hands on and prayed the prayer of faith. I said, do you believe that? He said, I do. I said, take that steel off and stand up and walk. And I'm done. he took that steel off. I got him by the hand, raised him up. And in two minutes, that guy was running all over the church screaming, God is awesome. Hey, I mean, these wonderful gifts of the Spirit are awesome when they kick in. 
And that makes life. Of course, when we went back down there, Cheryl and I was married, and she got to meet all these people. Went back down there, she got to meet Johnny, and him and his wife come walking in, you know, and he's walking perfectly normal. But for two years, he didn't walk. Actually, 21 months. He didn't walk. He had those steel braces on his leg. But whenever God shows up, when we're obedient to worship Him and praise Him and thank Him and put Him first and to seek Him and do all the things He says to do, every once in a while, depending upon your level of worship and praise and all the things, the King shows up to do great and awesome answers to your prayer. And I love when the gift of miracles kicks in. Now that ought to say something to me since it kicks in so rare. That's what he's saying tonight. That's right, son. You need to spend a little more time with me. That's what my honey buddy, she tells me that regularly. (laughs) And I know she's right. I know she's right. But just like Ty, he and I have got our toys that we have to play with. He's got a bunch of them. Tractors and farms and, and stuff. He's got a lot of stuff that keeps him busy. But that's why he's selling everything, because... God knows, just like I was an engineer in the workplace, and God knew as long as I stayed in that workplace, I'm going to be there ten hours a day, five or six days a week, and I'm not going to do near as much for Him as I would if He kicked me out of there. So He kicked me out of there. And I'm so grateful. I ain't never had so much fun since I got fired. You know, life has been wonderful. I've never seen so many miracles in my life as I have since I got Fired from my work. And, of course, you know, get fired for talking about Jesus. Can you imagine that? What a great thing to get fired for, right? Woo! I love it. Praise the Lord. Now then, after this lady added faith here, let's see what, uh, let's see what it says here. And uh, <laughs> let's go to... Uh, Somebody, somebody's phone's going off there. Let's go to Psalms. Go to Psalms five, uh, 3. No, wait a minute. Wait a minute. No, that's not the one I want to go to. Let's go to Ephesians 5. Let's go to Ephesians 5. We're getting close on time tonight. And I want, I want to go. Let's go to Ephesians 5.20. That will, that will get the message across in its entirety of what I'm... To, just, we've just got a couple more scriptures we're going to be able to go to. But Ephesians 5.20, and this is in the King James. How often are we supposed to give thanks according to that verse? Do you know any of us that does this? It's hard, isn't it? No, it's not. It's, it, well, praise God. Alex says, I give thanks always, Well, Praise the Lord. This guy is getting, clo- getting ready for a miracle. If he gives thanks always, the Lord says, giving thanks always for all things. Now, that's what's difficult. Especially when it don't go mine in your way. <laughs> but see, here's the thing. When we give thanks for all things... There's some times when it doesn't go your way, God's got a different plan down the road. He's got a different plan. 
You know, I mean, I've had that happen to me. I don't even know how many times I've thought, you know, this is the way it's got to be. I mean, this, I've prayed, and this, uh, this, I know this is my answer, and then it falls through. And I think, Lord, where were you? What's going on here? And, of course, some of these trials and tests he'll put you through, when you say, give thanks for these things, let me tell you, it's hard. Do you know what I did? Some of y'all have heard me tell this testimony so many times you'll remember but when Betty and Amanda got killed in that car wreck in 2001, and they told me that my grandbaby was critical, critical, and Kelly was critical, critical. You know what the first thing I did? I stopped and worshipped and gave thanks to the Lord. I stopped and worshipped and gave thanks. And wow, did he show up for me? I mean, he showed up. See, when you do it his way, you don't understand. I mean, I'll have to say, you know, we don't understand when you go through these trials and tests. That's not exactly what I wanted to hear Saturday afternoon. That my wife and my daughter were dead. And that these babies were in the hospital and not expected to live. That's not what I wanted to hear. But who would? Nobody. That one of your loved ones or two of your loved ones are gone. There's not a single one of you in here that if you lost one of your children or your mate would want that to happen. But how many of you, if it did happen, you would stop and say, Lord, I don't know what's going on, but I know you do. And I know you're the boss. And so, Lord, I want you to know I love you. And do it openly before a crowd of people. Which is where I was. In a church. And I worshipped him and praised him and said, Lord, I don't understand. But I know you understand. I know you know what you're doing. So I trust you. I praise you. I worship you. And boy, he raised Kelly and Caitlin up. And because I worshipped and thanked him and stood beside those beds worshipping and praising the king. And I didn't go into grumbling or complaining and say, God, where were you? If you'd have been there, this wouldn't have happened. I didn't even think about going there. I just worshipped and praised and thanked the Lord. And out of that greatest test and trial that I'd ever had at the time. I hope I never have another one like that. But God has touched more people with Caitlin and Kelly's miracle than anything else I have ever done. You can lump everything I've done up into one pile, and you can lump that little testimony or that humongous testimony in another one, and that one testimony has touched more people than any other thing I have ever done. And so, do you think God knows what He's doing? I absolutely know He knows what He's doing. But when He does something... Does he always do it my way? No. He does it his way. And whenever he does it his way, what, is, what am I supposed to do with what he does? I'm supposed to give thanks and worship and praise him. It says, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's not easy to do that. But if you will do that, you will do what the Lord says and you'll give thanks and you'll praise Him and worship Him for all those things. Then you can see Him raise 
Kaylee and Caitlin up, do the greatest miracles I've ever seen, and seven other babies, at least seven that I know of, miraculously healed in Cook's Medical Center, you know, because of those. Hey, it's fun serving God, isn't it, Alex? Oh, I mean, it's fun. So, tonight we've talked about some things He expects us to do. That is, providing we want to get our prayers answered. I want my prayers answered, don't you? Absolutely. When I go to the king, I want him to hear my voice. I want him to, I want him to be sitting there with his arms crossed saying, I've been waiting for you to come and ask me for something so I can do something wonderful for you. I love it when, I mean, just like that night down there in Manny, Louisiana, when I touched Norma and God healed her. I didn't know he healed her for lupus. She didn't know it for three months. Whenever she got healed of Parkinson's, she knew that, but she went back to a doctor three months later because she had broken a bone or something or, or done something. I forget. She fell and did something. Anyway, she had to go to a doctor. And when he checked her, he said, hey, according to the charts, you had lupus. And he said, you don't have it no more. It's gone. The woman was healed. Hey, we serve an awesome God, don't we? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this wonderful time we have to study your word and to talk about these things and to find out more about you. Because, Lord, we want to please you. We want to do what you say. We want to worship you in spirit and in truth with your word. So, Lord, help us to be in the word regularly and study your word. And, and Lord, just, oh, just praise you and thank you and worship you. And, Lord, we thank you for this wonderful evening we've had, the time we've had to come and sit down and and let everything settle down and just talk about you and worship you and praise you and thank you. You're an awesome God. And Lord, may you bless everybody here as they go forth tonight. May they take your word and may they never be the same. And Lord, may none of us ever be the same. May all of us learn more about what it takes to make you happy, to worship you and praise you and thank you, and to add faith to everything. So Lord, thank you for this evening. Now bless us. In Jesus' name, amen.